Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. Thank you, Patrick, so much. It's just a joy to be here with Church Tea. I've got so many friends here over the years, and um, uh, we go way back in terms of doing ministry together. So thankful to be honored to ask to step in for Aaron for this time for him. I've enjoyed spending time with Patrick and doing ministry with Greg and and just got a, a connection for people that we just have a kindred spirit of what it means to do life together and advance God's kingdom and to get really ramped up about seeing lives changed for his glory and for his kingdom. So what a joy to be together with you. I'm so grateful that you gave uh, Pastor Aaron some time away, that you recognized he may need that. The leadership recognized that he may need that. And I know that he's going to, to use, he has been using his time extremely well and he is asking God to do something in him. Whatever needs to be changed, whatever needs to be renewed and recalibrated, that, uh, that God will just simply pour out his spirit upon him and just uh, bring a fresh anointing on his life. And when he comes back into to ministry, uh, maybe even the office tomorrow, so to speak, that you're going to find a renewed pastor in your midst with a fervency and a passion that's been rekindled in some way. And you'll be blessed amazingly for having given him this time just to, just to come together and to, and to let God rework him. We need that sometimes to get away. Demands and pressures of life are so overwhelming at times. We just need a chance for God just to get some alone time and God to speak to us and God just to bring our hearts together. So I praise God that you saw the wisdom in uh, allowing him to become uh, some time away for, for his goodness. So God's going to change him. He is changing him uh, during these, these weeks he's been away. But God is also about the business of changing us. Derek, welcome to the, to the club today, man. I'm glad you're here. Uh, enjoy spending time with Derek as well. Awesome. So God's going to change us today along the way. He's in the constant realm of changing us. And I'm excited about talking about uh, how God wants to do that. God has a part in changing me, and we have a part in changing me. We want to look together about that, how God goes about doing that. I don't know how many of you are enjoy gardening and doing uh, raising plants and tomatoes and things that the deer and the rabbits have not eaten. That's always a good thing, isn't it? So I'm a farm boy, and, and so I, I, love, I love growing stuff. I love uh, seeing stuff grow. And, and one of the things I enjoy watching is when you plant the plant, and it's, it comes up, and it begins to blossom. There's a bud that comes on it, and the fruit sets on it. And there's a, you can see the change that happens in, in from start to beginning until that fruit gets to a ripened place. It's just a transformation that takes place. One of my favorite memories of growing up as a kid was my father's uh, garden. I mean, it was amazing. The kind of fruit, the quantity of fruit, the size of fruit and vegetables, it just simply, I've never seen anything since like that. But I got to tell you the secret for all of those who are interested in gardening, the secret is cow manure, okay? That's the secret. I mean, it just lit that stuff up and it was, just went like crazy. So there's a change that takes place uh, when we watch God uh, in his natural environment change things. The kind of fruit that my grandfathers grew was, uh, was one kind of fruit. It was natural fruit. But there's also a biological fruit. And the biological fruit is the offspring of animals and the children of people. And then there is the spiritual fruit. And that is what God talks about in Galatians 5, and 23. And you know this well. Here's what it says. 
It says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So what happens is this, is that the biological fruit doesn't really change my inside world, and the natural fruit doesn't really change my inside world, but when, but when the, 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 the spiritual fruit comes alive in me, it changes me. The spiritual fruit that God ordains is the kind of fruit that really changes me and rearranges my world. And these nine fruits that we're talking about this morning simply are the, the, the character qualities of a faithful, productive Christian. You know, in the NBA, in the National Basketball Association, when they go to recruit players, they're looking for the guy that has the complete package. I mean, can he rebound? Can he shoot? Can he pass? Can he really play the game? Does he have speed? Can he jump out of the gym? You know, all those kind of things. They're looking for the complete package. These nine character qualities in, in Galatians chapter 5, it's the complete package of the Christian, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so what we find is that the fruit of the Spirit is one of those things. And we ask if these are the character qualities of Jesus, and, and Jesus wants those to come alive in us, how does that happen? How does that happen? And I, I believe that for that to happen, it's going to require a change in some way in us for us to, to maximize and utilize and for those character qualities of Jesus to come alive in us. And by the way, these qualities are the very essence of Jesus. And Jesus says that he wants us to become like him. And so if we're to become like him, then these character qualities are going to need to come alive in us. And that is God's plan for us. God's ultimate plan for us is simply that we become more and more like Jesus so that we can represent him well to others while we're still on the planet. And the more that we become more like Jesus, uh, the, the, the more we're going to realize there's going to be some level of change going to be required. No matter how old we are in the faith, God is continually transforming us and progressing us into more of the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's what God is interested in your and my life. So how do these qualities of Jesus come alive in our lives? Obviously, God doesn't just show up one day and just zap us and all these qualities immediately materialize in our lives. That's not how God works. And you know that's how God does not work. He uses a process. And that process is called a partnership. Say that with me. A partnership. That's how God works. And the Apostle Paul describes that two-part process in Philippians chapter 2 where he says, watch this. He says, therefore, my beloved... Philippians 2.12, he says, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Watch this. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Did you notice these two phrases? One is this, Paul says, work out your own salvation. And then secondly, Paul says, God is at work in you. Seems like a contradiction to me, doesn't it? That we say, well, okay, Paul says, work out your own salvation. But well, by the way, God's already at work. He's already doing stuff in your life. It's a paradox, really. The British sage G.K. Chesterton describes a paradox as truth standing on its head to get attention. And so Paul's writing, as we walk and, and read through his writings, contain many paradoxes so that we might understand and get the idea that this is important for us to get our hands around. And so I think that the key to understanding this paradox is a little word out that we see in verse 12. And notice Paul does not say, work for your salvation. 
That's not what Paul is saying here. He's not saying work for your salvation. There's a big difference. To work for something means to earn it, to deserve it, or to merit, or to warrant it in some way. But Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, as you know, clearly says that salvation is not something we have to work for. It is a gift of God's grace to us. And so, but, but yet Paul says, work out your own salvation. What's he talking about here? Paul is talking about a spiritual workout in your life and in mine. Well, what do you mean a spiritual workout? Well, you develop a tone for muscles that God has given you, like Derek over here. I mean, he's just a mountain of mass muscle going on. He's fit. He goes at the gym. He hits it hard, and he drives it clear to the back wall. So he's a, a specimen of spiritual wor- or a physical workout right there. Paul is talking about a spiritual kind of workout. What is he talking about? He's simply saying, take what you've got, take your body, take your specimen, and cultivate your spiritual life. That's what he's talking about. Work out your own salvation. Cultivate your spiritual life. And then add to that that God is already at work doing his part to bring about the right kind of results. So here's what I want to talk about today. We talk about change. We're talking about changing our lives. And God has a part and we have a part in changing me. And today, maybe you say there's something in my world that just isn't quite in sync. Maybe it's my marriage. Maybe it's my relationship. Maybe it's that habit nobody else knows about out there. Maybe it's how I do my life at work and my relationships at work that I'm kind of caustic and and around the edges. Maybe there's something as you think about your life, you recognize it's not really uh, reflecting well those nine fruits of the Spirit in some way. But you realize That because as you read the word, you realize that God has spoken to you, that there's something that needs to be adjusted in your life. So that's what we're talking about today. We we come to that place where we recognize, maybe in our time of worship today, God just spoke to you and says, wow, you know, my my heart's not where it needs to be. I'm not giving God my full devotion. I'm I'm not letting him fight for me when he does what he does. Maybe you recognize in this moment there's something that God is bringing to your attention that needs to be changed. What I'm saying is that that God has a part, and we have a part in changing me. If there's one thing that I can say about that today is this, is that God wants to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life, which is the essence of Jesus, the life of Jesus, that will require us to cooperate with Him in the process of life change. So what is God's part? God's part is that He provides the power. Our part is that we have to flip the switch. We have to be involved in the process. So let's take a look, first of all, at God's part in the process and the tools he uses. And then let's look at our part with some choices that we are going to need to make to cooperate with him in the process of a partnership of changing me to become more like his son, Jesus. First of all, God is going to use the first tool called the word of God. Not a big secret, not a big surprise. He's going to use the word of God to change me. Because it's through the scripture that he teaches us how to live. That's why the scripture is so valuable to us. Paul talks about it in 2 Timothy 3 when he says, All scripture is breathed out by God and produced for teaching. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, that is spiritually mature, equipped for every good work. So the question we need to find out and ask this morning is this, about this, is that, is the Bible transforming 
or your life? Is it transforming my life? Are we taking the words that God has spoken, he's put down on paper, that he's trying to communicate to us? Is the word of God transforming our lives, or is it just something that we might pick up on, on, on a shelf on Sunday, or we might get to our app on our phone, whatever that may be upon occasion? But is the word of God transforming our lives? I heard about a converted cannibal on an island in the South Seas was sitting by a large pot reading his Bible. When an anthropologist wearing a pith helmet approached him and said, what are you doing? The native replied, I am reading the Bible. And the anthropologist scoffed and said, don't you know that modern civilized man has rejected that book? It's nothing but a pack of lies and fairy tales. You shouldn't waste your time in reading it. The cannibal looked him over from head to toe and then slowly replied, Sir, if it were not for this book, you would be in that pot. (laughs) The cannibal had been transformed by reading the word. Listen, if you are serious about changing your life, you're going to have to get into the word. On a consistent basis. When I have opportunity to talk with those who are struggling with addiction, I know that Derek is heavy into some of those things. But when I have a, when I have a chance to talk with people in addiction, if I, I first ask the question, "How bad do you want to get out? How bad do you want to get out? Oh, I want to get out. Okay, then here's what you're going to need to do. You're going to need the power of Christ." You're going to need to receive him and own him as your personal savior first and foremost because he has the power to set us free. Second of all, you're going to need to get yourself in the word because the word is the truth that transforms and renews our thinking so we begin to think right thoughts. You're going to need to start praying consistently to God because that is the power connection that you're going to need where the life of Jesus flows through you. And you're going to need accountability. You're going to need accountability with the people of God in small group settings so that you can, you can walk in a way that, that will be uh, uh, profitable for you and for others around you. I said, if you will do these four things, God will set you free. Does 12 steps help? Yes, that's part of the problem, maybe, or process, maybe. What about the, the, uh, the drug rehabs, methadone and suboxone? Don't have a lot of faith in those things. Maybe some helpful steps, but in my experience, they come up short of actually providing the power that one needs to change their life. It's the power of Christ and his word and the power that comes through prayer and accountability in the body of Christ that you have here at Church T. And you do that. I know that you do. That's what changes people's lives. And the same is true for each one of us who may not be in some level of addiction, but you're walking through some stuff that you know needs to be changed. You're not going to change permanently until you invite Jesus to be the center of that situation. You're not going to change till the word gives you new thinking and new direction in, in, your, in your mind. You're not going to change unless you depend upon Jesus in prayer. You're not going to change unless there's an accountability somewhere with somebody else that will keep you in check. That's how we change. That's how God uses change. So you need to read it. You need to study. You need to memorize. You need to meditate on it. When people tell me that uh, their faith is weak, I ask them, well, are you reading your Bible regularly? Not really. 
Are you studying the Bible? Well, not exactly. Are you memorizing Scripture? No. Well, then how do you expect your faith to grow if you're missing out on one of the main components of what God uses to change me? Paul says in Romans 10, so faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Got to have the word. It's part of the tool that God uses in his tool bag to change me. Why is that? Because Hebrews 4 says the word is living and sharper and active than a two-edged sword, able to pierce even to the depths of my soul and my spirit that we might discern what is the true intentions of my heart and my soul and my mind. The Word of God has a way of doing that if you get next to it, doesn't it? Fleshes those things out for us. Somebody said, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Spurgeon said that, by the way. Here's another tool that God's going to use to change me. Not only uses His Word, but He's going to use, he's going to use His Spirit. When we commit ourselves to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives to empower and to direct us. And the Spirit leads us to change, to a changed life. In Romans chapter 8, we find in these three verses, in verses 9 through 11, six times Paul talks about the role of the Spirit and how he uses it to, to have a role in changing me. Here's what he says. He says, you, however, in verse 9, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in the fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. I'm telling you, my friend, it's the Spirit of God that God gives to us that enables us to partner with Him, that He changes us. That's what happens. Six times Paul talks about the role of Spirit in just these three verses that gives us strength and vitality and the desire and power to do what is right, what we cannot do on our own. And the Spirit of God works within us as we become more and more like Jesus. So whatever we take away from our time together today, remember this above all things, that God's number one purpose in your life is to make you more like Jesus. I don't care how long you've been in the faith, but that is, his, that is his mission, is to make you like his son, Jesus, so that we can reflect him well and serve him well and make his name known so that others will come to faith and come to a knowledge of faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, it's the Spirit of God that uses the Word of God to make the child of God more like the Son of God. That's what the Spirit does, doesn't He? And what is Jesus like? Well, when He was on the earth, He embodied all nine of these qualities of Galatians 5 called the fruit of the Spirit. And those are the same qualities He wants to produce in us. Now listen, if God cannot get our attention through the Word, if He cannot get our attention through the, the work of the Spirit, then he will also use circumstances to help change us and transform us. You know, circumstances like problems and, and pressures and heartaches and difficulties and stress always get our attention. C.S. Lewis said, God's whisper, God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. And the truth is, God's going to use all of our circumstances to make us more like Jesus. If we continue in Romans 8, he says in verse 28, he says, And we know that those who love God 
for, all, for, all, for those who love God, all things work together for good so that, so that we might be conformed to his image. That's how God takes that. That every image, everything, every circumstance he's going to use to bring it together to conform us to his son, Jesus. And I, I really believe that nothing comes into our life of a believer without the Heavenly Father's permission, and it must be Father-filtered. I think the interesting thing about how God uses circumstances in our life is that the source of the circumstance makes no difference to God in how he's going to change us. We often bring problems by ourselves, to ourselves by faulty decisions and bad judgments and our sins. At other times, our problems are caused by other people. And sometimes the devil causes things to happen to us like he did with Job. But God says that the source of the circumstance is irrelevant. He says, I will use it in your life. I will fit it into my pattern. I will fit it into my great plan for your life to make you like Jesus. Listen, there's no circumstance in life in which we cannot learn if we'll just have the right attitude. God is never going to waste a circumstance or a situation in your life if we'll allow him to use it if we'll if we'll allow ourselves to learn from it he's never going to waste anything you've walked through friday i was mowing the church yard because our regular guy was out of pocket whatever and it was a hot smelly stinking nasty hot mess and it was just i was just covered up my youth pastor walks comes by this church and he has this gal with him a friend of his and he said uh, she just wants to get to know the church, and she is thinking about coming back to church, but she said that, that she had done so many things so badly, so off the wall, so unbelievably horrible that she could never be good enough to come to church. I, I'm dead serious about this story. And so he came outside, and I'm, I'm mowing, I'm weed whacking, I, I'm just the one nasty mess. And he says, would you come in and share the gospel with her? This don't look so good. This don't even smell so good. But I said, you know what? I dropped my weed whacker right there in the grass. I said, you bet. We went inside the church, and we found one of these Avenger cubes that I use to share the gospel as a visual. And we sat down at a table. And I said, tell me about your life. She said, you know what? I've done so many bad things, horrible things. I mean, I don't even think that I am worthy to be in this building right now. And we just showed her the truth of the gospel, how much Jesus loved her how much he wanted a relationship with her. And you know what? God opened up her heart to receive and to believe the good news of the gospel. And I said, you know what? All these circumstances that you've gone through, all the junk, all the terrible things, doesn't matter to God. What matters is where are you right now? Would you open up your heart to believe and to trust in him and believe that he has, has forgiven all of that junk in your past? Let him change your life. And she said, would he do that? Absolutely, he will in a heartbeat. And God changed her life in that moment. Today, she's coming to church for the first time. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Even with one stinking, smelly mess sitting across the table. God will use your circumstances to make you more like his son, Jesus. Now then, that's God's part. He's going to use his word. He's going to use his spirit. He's going to use circumstances 
to make you more like his son Jesus. But what is our part in all of this? I think it starts with some choices that we make, if I can just say it briefly. First of all, our part is to, is to, is to, make, is to change our choices in how we do life. First of all is this, is that we must choose to change our thoughts. Change your thoughts in how you do life. I love what Proverbs 4.23 says, one of my favorite verses. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. What is Solomon saying? He's saying, be careful what you think about. Change your thoughts. If there's something that needs to be changed in your life, in my, th- my life, there's a good chance it starts with what I'm thinking about, about the situation. Someone said, you're not what you think you are, but what you think you are. So if you're going to change your life, part of your part is to change the way you think. That's what the word repentance means. When we come to faith in Christ, that word repentance comes into view. That word is the Greek word metanoia, which simply means to change your mind. When I became a follower of Jesus Christ, I changed my mind about what I began to understand that some things that were acceptable to God. I had to change my mind a whole lot of things that I thought was okay, if you know what I mean. And then the word began to speak and began to pour it in. And there's some things you got to change, Brent, because it's not in sync. It's not reflecting Jesus well. And so when we, when we change our thoughts, it's simply metanoia. We're changing our mind. It's what repentance is all about in the form of salvation. By the way, Paul says in Romans 12 that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind and not by willpower. Say that with me. Not by willpower. Are you sure about that? Say it again. Not by willpower. So much of the world thinks we're just going to change ourselves by our own willpower, but how often we fall short and come up short with trying to do it in our own will, in our own power, in our own way. Got to change the way we think if to do our part in changing me. If I were to look at a diagram across the board, I might look at it something like this. If, if we're going to look at it this way, you would say we'd grab this truth, that what I think, what I think, determines what I feel, determines how I act. So if you want to change the way you act, you have to change the way you think. Because that's where it starts, right? I've got to change the way I think, because the way I think determines how I feel, and how I feel is going to change the way I act. So if you're going to change yourself, you can't start with your actions, and you can't start with your feelings. You have to start with changing the way that you think. That's where the whole process starts. And then it drops 18 inches into your heart, where you begin to decide how you're going to live that out in terms of action. And then it fleshes out through your hands and your feet and your life. That's how that changes out. So... If you want to change your situation, you're going to have to change the way you think about it. For example, sometimes you may act resentful. Do you know why you act resentful? Because you're thinking resentful thoughts. Some of us go off the handle and we are so angry about life all the time. You know why we're angry? Because we're thinking angry thoughts. Some of us are worried ourselves into oblivion. With anxiety and stress about tomorrow, things we can't change. You know why you're so overrun with anxiety and worry and all kinds of stress-related issues and palpitations in the heart is because you're thinking those stressful things. If you want to change your life, we have to change the way we think. 
And then Jesus says, the second thing we have to do to, to do our part and to cooperate with change is, is that we must choose to depend upon his spirit. That's a choice that we make, is to choose to depend upon the work of the Holy Spirit. I love the fact that God puts the Holy Spirit in us and he gives us his power. And you know the truth is that all Christians have the Spirit in their life, but not all Christians are operating on the power of the Holy Spirit available to them. That's the truth. We have all the Holy Spirit the moment that we believe, but we're not all operating on the power available to us that is available to us in the person of Christ. And Jesus gives us a beautiful illustration about this in John 15 when he compares our spiritual life to a vine and its branches. One of my favorite verses that Jesus ever wrote or spoke or said, or it's in red in my Bible. I don't know about yours, but it's in red so I can get it. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Did you underline that in your Bible somewhere? Apart from me, you can do nothing. In this illustration, the branch is totally dependent on the main vine. It cannot produce any fruit by itself, but it's detached from the vine. The fruit grows as it is in, it's, it's an inside job. That's where it comes from. If I went out in the spring and tied apples on the branches of a dead tree in my backyard, I brought my wife outside and said, look, honey, look at, the, look at the fruit tree. She goes, you crazy thing, you're nuts. You tied that, those, those fruit things on that tree. It's not a fruit tree, it's a dead tree. You just tied the fruit on the tree. Well, that's what we do sometimes. We tie on a little love, a little kindness, a little patience, a little joy. We just tie it around the tree. We tie on a little self-control if we can now and then. And we just tie stuff on the tree. Look at that. Isn't that a great, beautiful fruit tree over there? Oh, yeah. We did it. That's not what this text is all about in Galatians 5. It's about the Holy Spirit producing the character qualities of Jesus in us. Our part is to simply depend upon him to do it. Now, you, know, now you might be saying, well, how, how do I know? Whether I am abiding in Christ, as Jesus talked about in John 15. How do I know if I'm hooked to the vine? How do I know if I'm depending on his spirit? All you have to do simply is to look at your prayer life. Just look at your prayer life. Your prayers demonstrate your dependence upon God. My guess is if the, if the prayer is lacking in your walk with God, I, I'm just going to guess from personal experience that we're not depending on the Lord as we walk through our day. That's what I'm going to guess is happening. So what do you do? What, what do you pray about? Well, you pray whatever you're, you're hooked into about God, whatever you're relying on for him. Whatever you pray about is what you are trying to do on your own because prayer, whatever you, whatever you don't pray about is what you're trying to do on your own because prayer is the acid test. And I have found the secret that the secret of depending on God's spirit is to be incessantly in prayer. What are you praying about? You're praying about your decisions, your needs, your interest, your schedule, the problems you are facing, the people you're going to meet, the things that are in front of you that are out of control. What, what are you hooked into God about that you need him to come forward in and you cannot change? 
Uh, abiding in, in, in Jesus simply means I'm depending upon him. The way we do that is by connecting and say, God, I need your help. I need your wisdom. I need a way through this. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how this is supposed to go. I don't have the answer to this question. But God, I know that you do. And our passion is, and our priority is, with the Spirit's help, is to depend upon him. We, and we make that choice, right? We make the choice to depend upon on the Lord, or we make the choice to do it our own way. But if God is going to change me, then I have to depend upon him and his power to flow through me to do what I cannot do in that area of change that God is speaking to you about right now. And then lastly, our part is not only do we need to choose to change our thoughts and we choose to depend upon the spirit, but we also choose to respond wisely to circumstances. You cannot control all the circumstances in your life. We'd like to think so, don't we? We'd like to be in control of all of that nine yards. We'd like to make sure that we have, if you're a type A personality driven like I am, I just, I'm just going to control this thing. I can do this. I can make this happen. Sure, go ahead and give it a try, Jesus says. How'd that turn out for you? Well, not so well. Can't control all the stuff that comes my way. But I can make a decision. I can make a choice how I'm going to respond to it. I can either allow the circumstance to make me bitter, or I can allow the circumstance to make me a better person. And really, it's not so much what happens to us in this life, it's about what happens inside of us, how God's changing me. And that's why Paul says in Romans 5, verse 3, he says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. You and I can rejoice in our problems because not just are we going to endure them, but because we know like, that God is going to use them for our benefit, even the problems that we bring upon ourselves. And so how does God do that? My insight is this, and maybe you have discovered this as well, that God is going to produce the fruit of the Spirit in us through adversity. I know you didn't want to hear that today, did you? Nobody did. But God is going to produce the life of Jesus in us through adversity. What does that mean? It means that if you say, oh, I need to be a more loving person, guess what God is going to do? He's going to bring some unlovables around you. You say, well, I want to be more patient. Guess what God's going to do? He's going to put you in some more trying and tribulation type things. You're going to have to learn how to do that. You say, I, I want to have more peace in my life. Guess what God is going to do? He's going to bring some things around you that have conflict attached to it. You're going to have to work through it God's way. You say, I just need some more self-control in my life because I'm out of control in this area of my life. Guess what God is going to do? He's going to allow some maybe some trials and testings, maybe even temptations. You're going to have to trust Jesus in order to have victory over those things, you see, to be like Jesus. So my word to you is this, and it's just straight up, that the way Jesus is going to make us more like, more like himself is that it's going to come through times of adversity where you have to press into Jesus, where you have to trust in him, where you have to depend upon his word, where you have to just tie into his spirit, where you just have to say, I need to change my thoughts here when moving in towards him. But, it, but God is going to change us through the avenue of adversity. We've been trying to say today this, is that God wants to produce the fruit of the spirit in your life 
that will require us to cooperate with him in the process for life change. Life transformation, whatever that thing is going on in your world that needs to change, is a partnership. And God promises to do his part in changing me if we will commit to cooperate with him in the process of changing me. It's fruit. It's going to take some time. It may not be overnight, but it's going to take some time to ripen. And God is going to need time to ripen the spiritual fruit in your life. Will you stand with me right now where you are? Just stand with me. So how do I begin today? I think we begin by simply telling God right now that I want to be a productive, fruitful Christian. Right where you are, can you just say to God, God, here I am. There's some things broken in my world. There's some things out of sync. You've been trying to get my attention for quite some time now about this one thing that nobody else knows about, but it's a, it's, a, it's a thorn in my flesh, so to speak. And so God, right now, I'm saying to you, as honestly as I know how, is that I, I want to I change. I need to change. You want me to change because I'm not reflecting you well in this part of my life. So just go ahead and say that to God right now, that I, I, wanna, I want you to help me to change this thing in my life. Just tell him right where you are. Give it to him right now. And then here's what we know. That God wants to produce the fruit of the Spirit, the life of Jesus in us. Will you cooperate with him in that life-changing process? Will you cooperate? If that's your heart's desire to cooperate, just say, lift your hand and say, yes. Yes, I will cooperate. Yes, I will cooperate. Yes, I will cooperate. I'll change the way I think. I will just start depending upon the Spirit instead of myself. I will allow the circumstances in my life to make me a better person as you empower me to walk through those things. God's way, I will do it. Can you imagine how your life could change by partnering with God versus fighting against Him? That's all we're asking. God's asking us to partner with him and not fight against him in this transformation, this change that he wants to do in our lives so we can become more like Jesus. That's why we're still on the planet, so we can become like him and represent him well and serve him to the best of our ability for his glory. That's why we're here. So let me just say this as we close in prayer in this moment. And if there's something in your world, you just want to get it out before the Lord today, we're going to, we're going to pray and just come and give it to God today. You said yes. If it's something you can just give it up, just come and stand and pray. And those spiritual leaders who are here at Church T, they'll come and stand with you and partner with you and pray it through until we get an understanding that God is here and he is with us and he's fighting for us and he is with us to do what we cannot do on our own today. So Father God, as we pray, the first step of life change is through a heart transformation. And that God changes our heart when we turn away from sin and rebellion. And when we trust in Jesus who died on the cross to pay for our sin and make us fit for heaven. And the beginning of any lasting change begins with a relationship with Jesus. And then he will use the word and his spirit and circumstance to help us grow into his likeness. 
right where you are in this moment. Can I invite you? I don't know all of you here, so I'm not assuming that everyone here is a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're just testing the, testing the, you're kicking the tires on Christian. I don't know what you're doing, but you're here. But if this is a day where you say yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ, just say yes right where you are, and then come so we can pray with you and thank God for what he's done in your life today. Say yes to Jesus. And let him change your life. Let him conform you to your, his, his son. Have a new beginning and a fresh start and a freedom you've never had before. In Jesus' name. Father, we love you today. We thank you that you love us so much that you're not willing for us to stay the same way that we are. But your passion for us is to grow and to transform and to be all that you have planned for us to be. The abundant life filled up with the Holy Spirit, filled up with the grace of Jesus, filled up with the extravagant love of the Father that overflows in our life. So we bless you, God, for all that you've done. May the decisions made here this day be rock solid in the name of Jesus. And from this point forward, throughout this day and this week, we choose to cooperate with the power of God that changes lives, not only today, but tomorrow and this week and the days to come. Thank you, Father, for your presence. Thank you for your great love. Thank you for this great group of people that love you and care about you and serving you with everything they've got. Pour out your love and your blessing. We give you praise. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.